Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Fourth and Goal, the Sacramento State football centric podcast here on thestatehornet.com. I'm your podcast editor, Matt Irvin III, and I'm joined as always by. It's your football beat reporter, Brandon Bailey, and we're back for another episode on the latest and greatest for Sac State's football. Eh, and it was another great performance for Sac State, I would say. 41 to 9 as they stomped out Cal Poly. It felt like a result that should happen, but still, you know, we had reservations coming in. But ultimately, I think this was a good game on all sides of the ball for Sac State. Before we dive into these analysis, I just want to point out that my predictions have been pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I predicted a thirty-eight or yeah, thirty-eight to seven game. It was forty-one to nine. Yeah, but nah. Other than aside from that, though, it was it was a you know one of those games where I just felt like Sac State was going to dominate and. That's exactly what they did. I mean, Cal Poly, not the greatest team, but seemed like in the second half of the season they were starting to get it together. But once Sack got it going, it was nothing much they could really do. I would say that Cal Poly was moving the ball pretty good against them at first, but mm-hmm. they just couldn't finish a drive. So I guess that was just another testament to how strong the the Hornet defense is. And we said Sac State needed to come out strong, and they certainly did. You know, the first drive of the game, they went 75 yards down the field for the touchdown. So, I guess you could say that's a pretty good impression to start the game. Well, I guess it makes it easier once, you know, you find a a rushing game, you know, because it opens up the pass. And I think they found their gem in in Scatterbo. We've been talking about them for, what, the last three weeks now? And, I mean, it's coming to a a pretty trending topic. I mean, he's been doing his thing, and it opens everything up, it looks like. 13 carries, 96 yards, two touchdowns. He kind of reminds me of like, okay, maybe this might be a little outrageous, but he reminds me of Marshawn Litz a little bit, just the way he kind of runs in. He's able to run through and shake guys off. You know, he's got that kind of power back ability. Man, look, I wouldn't call it outrageous. On one of my tweets, I I tweeted, um, it was a video of him um, on my live tweet of the game, and it wasn't really like a really big run, but it was just one of those runs where it was like, if it was any other back, it's a tackle for a loss. But he's one of those guys, you make contact with him, and he's still chugging for, like, another three or four yards. And, you know, that's that's something you can't really teach. You know, that's just nothing but grit and determination from what it looks like, you know? Mm-hmm. I think uh, Joe Davidson was definitely right when he told me to watch out for that kid, that one game of Rio Linda I saw him. <laughs> he just keep he just keeps living up to that hype, man. Yeah, man. And then well, once you get something like that going, it only opens it up for now. You got to worry about the O'Hara's, the Perkinsons, <laughs> and then a whole passing game from Jake D that you know can be pretty lethal once he gets in rhythm, as you've seen. Yeah, he got back on track this week. Nineteen to twenty-five, two hundred fifteen yards, only six incompletions throughout the game, and a nice little spread on uh, the passes here. We got Pierre Williams had four, Parker Clayton had four, Marshall Martin five, Isaiah Gable and Dewey Cotton had two each, and so did Jared Gibson. So a nice little spread. I like we remember we said on the first episode, you know, we liked how versatile their offense was mm-hmm. and their wide receiving core, especially from the backs to the small receivers to the big receivers to the big tight ends. They just got a lot of people that can catch the ball and bring it down when they need to. I mean, and think about it from the defensive perspective. You got to worry about a dual quarterback system where you got a quarterback that can run or throw it at any time, and then you got somebody that's scoutable that's constantly just just pounding you, pounding the ball every play. I mean, it's kind of hard to, you know, you got to kind of make adjustments as you go, but it's hard to do that when you got so many different factors in the game that could just, you know, be a turning point, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And it looked like standard operating procedure for the defense as well. Nine total tackles for Marcus Hawkins. He led the team. Munchie Fowler the third had a pick six in the game. Man, it was like a that was one of the probably the easiest touchdowns I've seen the defense <laughs> score all year. He threw it right to him. He just got up out of there. It was so confusing watching the pass from the stands because it seemed like it was so in, it was it seemed like it was so intended for Munchie just to catch <laughs> it, but he's on the wrong side of the ball. Right. I would say the only mistake that really I saw out of Sac State was that safety they took early in yeah. the second quarter. Yeah. And really, that was the only time Cal Poly was able to get into the end zone was on the safety, and then they got the ball immediately back. And even then, they fumbled into the end zone and were able to land on top of it. Man. And then, like I said, I mean, Cal, it wasn't like Cal Poly wasn't moving the ball. Like, they were moving it pretty efficiently. But then it's like, you know, they got pretty confident, and they tried to go for it a few times on fourth and one or the fourth and threes, and you don't convert those. And those are the kind of plays that just kind of suck the life out of your team. Yep. Saw that, especially in the NFL this week. I know with uh, Denver and Dallas, there were a lot of fourth down opportunities. And at any level of football, you got to be able – if you're going to put keep your offense on the field fourth down, you got to be able to convert. And that was just something that we weren't able to see from Cal Poly this week. I mean, and I think – I guess we could say Sac State's finally get the respect they wanted. They moved up to number 12 in the uh, stats performance poll. Mm-hmm. And um, number 15, was it, in the um, coaches poll? They are 18th in the coaches' poll. Number 18 in the poll. Still a jump up from 22nd last week. I mean, I guess all the other games didn't work in their favor. Um, Montana State, they beat Eastern, the close one. Davis won again. Right now, it's looking like Coach Taylor said that their destiny is in their hands. Yep, they were they were on the precipice of Montana State dropping yeah. that one game that they needed. But, man, that <laughs> so close. Yeah. So, it looks like it's going it's to be a dogfight for that automatic bid. And I think one thing the rankers are taking into account is probably the strength schedule is probably playing against Sac State. You know, yeah. like we said, they have a clear path to a co-Big Sky title and a playoff berth. But the rankers are going to see that, and that's why there's still four Big Sky teams ahead of them in each poll. You got Montana State at three. This is in the stats poll. UC Davis is at six. Eastern Washington at seven. And then Montana at nine, even though we beat Montana. I was about to say, it's still in front of them? <laughs> wow. I mean... I it's understand the schedule, man. <laughs> I understand the strength of schedule, but at the end of the day, they went into Missoula somewhere they ain't never won before and still won. But I mean, I guess the they, the committee plays it how they want to, you know. Mm-hmm. It's all gonna come down to rivalry week because Montana State, I believe they have uh, Idaho this week, and then they have Montana as their last game of the season. Oh uh, yeah, it's and gonna it, be an interesting last two weeks. But before we even get into those last two weeks, I think we can't even skip over what they have, what Sac State has to do against Portland State this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're a 5-4 and four team, but they got some pretty credible wins on there. And some of the losses that they had was like – it was like to Hawaii and the first one was to – or the first one was to Hawaii and then the second loss was to Washington State. Mm-hmm. Both of them – they didn't really get blown out necessarily in both of those games. So those are pretty key losses. And then you got a game where they just went to Weber State last week and got a dub. And that's I know that's not easy to do. So mm-hmm. – I think this should be a pretty interesting week. It'll put Sac State's defense to the test. I mean, they've been playing excellent so far in conference play in general. But um, Portland State has a dog, a gunslinger at quarterback and a few guys that can make plays in their running back and then um, one of their receivers as well. Mm-hmm. They have the sixth-ranked offense in the big sky. Like you said, that gunslinger is the quarterback. Davis Alexander averaging 278 yards a game. That's pretty good for college. If you had to put a look into next week, 
Do you think it would be more of a shootout type of game, or do you think it's going to be a close one that's going to come down to like a defensive type of series? Mm, that's tough. That's a tough answer because Sac State's got the number two ranked offense in the Big Sky. Portland State's got six. And they're right next to each other in defense. Sac State's at four. Portland State's at five. So I'm leaning more towards the defensive dogfight type game. Yeah. I think it's going to be like that that good old 24-21 type game. Defense and turnovers. Mm-hmm. Whoever wins the turnover battle wins that game. Sac State's been pretty good these past pretty, – well, not even these past few weeks. All year, like, not turning the ball over. But aside from uh, week two when they had those six turnovers against Northern Iowa. So, I mean – I think whoever controls that turnover battle and punches the other team in the mouth on defense wins that game. So Zach State's currently riding a six-game win streak. Portland State comes in with a three-game win streak. As you mentioned, they beat Weber State last week before that. They also took care of business against Cal Poly and Idaho State. And, yeah, it's just going to be one of those games that you got to look out for. You can't underestimate anybody in the Big Sky Conference, and I think this game is going to be Another example of that. It's also their final home game of the year. As we know, the final game of the year is away to Davis. So big chance to make their final homestand and really state why they should be considered contenders for this playoffs. Two weeks left. I mean, like you said, they haven't had the hardest schedule compared to other Big Sky teams. I think if you win these two games, they've earned the respect that they deserve if they win these next two games. Mm -hmm. I mean, Davis isn't isn't a hunch, and neither is Portland State. I mean, like I said, they beat Weaver State on the road, and um, they got some guys on offense that can make plays. And at the end of the day, in the big sky, that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Think definitely got to watch out for Bo Kelly. He looks to be their leading receiver, eighty-seven yards a game, eight touchdowns on the year, and they're not—they're no slouch in the running game either. Look at Malik Walker, eighty-one yards a game. He's got nine touchdowns on the year. So, from the outside looking in, I think Sac State. They've been doing pretty well against the pass. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty good these last few weeks against the run, too. But I think if Portland State wants to win, I think they're going to have to try to dominate on the ground. Because through the air, I mean, you could put any corner in there, it looks like, from Sac State. And it seems like they're showing up from the Munchie Filers, the, the Marte Mapu at Nickelback. And all their corners, it seems like they're stepping up to the plate and doing what has to be done. Whether Even if they do give up a big play, I've noticed that once they get in the red zone, they really, like, know how to clamp down. And that's that's pretty important, I would think, you know, in big sky play, especially against teams that can run it up against anybody. Mm-hmm. And then Munchie Filer did go down injured in that yeah. game against Cal Poly. So if he, for any reason, is not able to go, you know, we're looking at next man up scenario here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Sac State might be expecting some guys back. It could – Marcus Fulcher didn't play these past two weeks – he um he could be playing this week potentially, um so I mean it's gonna be it's gonna be a game. I think like I said it's gonna come down to turnovers, defense, and whoever can run that ball. So far, Sac State's been on a roll, getting it to Scadabo. If they could get Fulcher back, I mean, <laughs> sky's the limit. <laughs> Good luck to Portland State, but we gotta see about that. But yeah, I think that's those are gonna be the keys to victory for both teams. Also, one more shout out I want to give congratulations to Kyle Santowski. Most field goals in a single season for Sac State. He made his 15th of the year on his 18th attempt. He's also hasn't missed an extra point this year, 30 for 30. As 
easy as the extra point might sound. I mean, we got guys in the league that can't in the NFL that can't make field goals. So that's a testament to how great he's been kicking. And if you're listening to this podcast next week after he missed his first extra point of the season because I mentioned it, I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can't forget to mention too. Shout out to the great late nap as well. Um, yeah, last week was a great win. I think for Sac State just for that simple fact. Greg Knapp, he played quarterback here. He was a coach here right after and then went on to coach in the NFL before he had a tragic accident last summer. So shout out to Greg Knapp and their family and my condolences to them as well. Yeah, it was emotional seeing them at the game, but I think they did well in his memory with that performance. All right, well, since you're the prediction guru here on 4th and Goal, <laughs> I've already said what I think we're looking at here. Give me a score prediction score for Sac prediction? State against Portland State. Well, Sac State, oh, man, this is tough. I, like I said, I think it's going to be a tougher matchup than most, most people see it. But if I had to just put my prediction out there, man, I'm going Sac State 28-21. Mm. It went by a touchdown. And it's going to come down late in the fourth quarter. I think one team's going to have to just make a big stop in the end. All right. We'll see who's closer next week on the next episode of 4th and Goal. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, go check out all the stories, podcasts, videos, and all the content you can find on StateHornet.com. And we'll see you back here next week. Yeah.